Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome into the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined more often than not by my longtime brother, Daniel Sancato. On today's episode, we'll be talking about our breakouts. We'll also be discussing players we're thinking are overhyped in our segment, Pump the Breakouts. If you have a fantasy football question or comment for our listener mailbag, please reach out to us via email at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Pod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids, hashtag TCKpod. We have a great episode for you today, so without any further ado, let's talk ball. Daniel, good evening. How we doing? Doing okay, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing really well. I think I've uh, had a better day uh, as far as fantasy football is concerned than, than you have, perhaps. <laughs> yes, I am uh, I, I'm officially 0 for 1 on, on our crazy calls. Uh, one of my guys, Marquise Lee, for those of you who have been following, following the preseason, uh, placed on injured reserve with uh, knee injury, with complete with ligament damage. Um, uh, for those of you who have, have been loyal fans of our podcast and listened a few episodes ago, I, I had a crazy call wherein Marquise Lee uh, catches 80 passes for over 1,000 yards. 
And uh, yeah, needless to say, I don't think that's coming to fruition at this point. So over one, good start before the season even starts. <laughs> well, it happens, man. And, and uh, you know, as, as well as everybody else, we don't predict injuries and uh, fluke things are going to happen. It's definitely disappointing. I think a lot of people uh, thought Marquise Lee could finally break out as the for sure um, number one there in Jacksonville, uh, getting out of Allen Robinson's shadow. Um, but there's still many mouths to feed in Jacksonville. And I think, uh, you know, fantasy drafters need to be looking at the next man up, which uh, right now looks to be Keelan Cole. Uh, also take a look at uh, the rookie uh, DJ Chark and um, yep. Dante Moncrief uh, coming over from Indianapolis, as well as D.D. Westbrook. So many option there for, uh, for Blake Bortles. But um, this just makes me love Leonard Fournette even more. Yeah, which I know, I, I know we disagree on, but uh, but I'm 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 feeling it. I well, I'm, I'm sure he'll get opportunities, and uh, uh, I'm not sure how much Bortles will be able to take advantage of, <laughs> of the weapons that are given. <laughs> but we'll see. Though we could, like you said, we could be witnessing the the return of Dante Moncrief to fantasy relevance. I True. remember I drafted him, I think, a couple of years in a row, and he's disappointed me. So maybe he'll be maybe he'll be worth uh, worth taking a look at this year. Yeah, he was he was really really great though um with uh with andrew luck andrew luck got hurt and i think he kind of went down the tubes but uh, moncrief is definitely a great option definitely yep. a uh red zone target um yep. so that's definitely some bummer news uh, all around and and for your crazy call uh however um just a couple hours later you did get some positive news uh anyway where one of your uh gamer choices from the last episode uh got paid my man, Odell Beckham did indeed get paid. Uh, Five-year, $95 million extension through 2023, $65 million guaranteed. Uh, both the guaranteed money and the uh, average annual value of $19 million are new records for a NFL wide receiver. Um, and uh, obviously, I love the guy. He was my gamer. He's definitely my ride-or-die player. But I think uh, even somebody who's not as enamored with Odell Beckham as, as myself could could acknowledge that it's certainly the logical deserved outcome for a receiver who's twenty only still only 25 years old somehow, um, has uh, 38 touchdowns and 47 NFL games, uh, three straight 1,300-yard seasons before last year uh, in an injury-shortened year. Um, but he's a he's a truly truly special player. So much deserved. Congrats to Odell. Uh, he can now uh, have, work on his grill as much as he wants. Absolutely. Not that he and, couldn't. <laughs> yeah, and and the New York Giants are are extra stoked because uh, there was a lot of talk preseason that he was looking to leave New York, um, kind of shopping around, uh, you know, because they weren't going to pay him up front, and um, you know he was still working on his r rookie deal, uh, which was beans. I mean, it's still you know far more than uh, you and I can comprehend as far as right. dollars. However, uh, in the life that they li live, he was, he was making scraps um, and he wasn't feeling appreciated. So he almost left New York and now uh, he is, he is laughing all the way to the bank um, more than anybody else in NFL history, as you mentioned. So yeah, Odell is, Odell is set for, for quite a while. So all I can, all I can say is that I also think that um, Julio Jones may be paying a little bit close attention to, to this deal as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, he just got paid too, but you know, everyone, everyone's gonna, everyone's yep. gonna try, you know, new Hopkins is up soon. I mean, you know, a lot of these right. younger receivers, you know, Juju's not too far out, I'm sure. And there's other guys in the league. So it's just going to continue to go up. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. So a little bit of, a little bit of uh, con, a little bit of pro, you know, there's a lot of uh, frowns and smiles in fantasy football. So I think we got a dose of that today at the wide receiver position. And before we get uh, into the full swing of our, 
breakout section and our pump the breakout section for this episode. I want to give another reminder to the listeners that we have officially announced and we are officially live for submissions for our first uh, TCK pod listener league. Um, the announcement was dropped on the previous episode. So for this week, up until next Tuesday, we're going to be taking submissions via email at the, the candlestick kids fantasy pod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be taking those. You need to submit the submission code, which is the stick T H E S T I C K the stick with one thing you enjoy about their podcast and something that we may be able to improve on. Uh, we, we certainly want to make this as a user friendly as possible. So any um, feedback is much appreciated. It's a 12 team full PPR league. We're taking 10 entries. Uh, Daniel and I have the first two. We're taking 10 more. And it is also a $20 buy-in. The draft is going to be next Wednesday, uh, September 5th, um, opening day eve. And uh, we'll be drafting at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time via ESPN. So if you cannot make that draft time, please do not submit. Otherwise, bring it on. And we're looking to uh, we're looking to get down with the the TCK pod listeners and uh, have some fun there. So please submit if you'd like to for our inaugural uh, listener league podcast um, and uh, and live draft. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. So. But it's not about what I see, it's about what you see. Now look in this mirror and tell me again what you see. <clears throat> what well, I see. Pride! Pride! Right. Power! Power! See. A badass mother who we don't take, take no, no crap off of nobody. Again! I see pride. Can I hear you? I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. Once again! I see pride. Junior! I see power. I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. That's right! That's right, Junior Bevel. Without any further ado, let's jump into this, and um, we're going to start with our breakout candidates uh, for this year, and we'll follow it up later in the episode with our pump the breakout candidates, some people we just think are being overly hyped and that uh, we think you can maybe slow down a little bit on. And right off the bat here, I think uh, we're going to break the mold a little bit. Usually it's kind of me to you, me to you, all the way down in one category, but right off the bat, we have a player here that we, uh, we both uh, disagree on um, at Swords. Uh, and, uh, so we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson here for, for a while to start off uh, the podcast. I have him as a breakout and you have him in the opposite category to pump the breakouts. So I'll make a pitch first and, and you can counter and we'll go from there. Um, right. I, I personally, I personally love Deshaun Watson. I know what a lot of people say as far as he only played seven games. Um, he was, you know, out of his mind with the, the results that he had. Um, he couldn't have kept that up. I understand all that. And I agree, um, frankly, but I think there's a little too much naysaying going on here. Uh, Watson 
only played seven games last year, as, as we know, and arguably he only played five because in his first two games, uh, he had a pitiful 227 yards, a touchdown, and a pick combined in the two games. After that, though, um, he seemed to find his way and uh, was solid for the next five games. Um, I would argue he didn't even break out last year. And I think a lot of people are kind of like, you know, he's on the scene now, but we only saw it for five real games. And um, I just think there's so much more uh, to be unraveled this year, assuming he is healthy, obviously. Um, even with his exaggerated touchdowns over weeks four to eight, he was insanely awesome. Um, you know, overall, uh, or wasn't insanely awesome overall, rather, um, he did have, you know, 16 touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown over weeks four to eight, but only had one game with over 19 completions, one game with more than 285 yards and a game with more than 30 rushing yards. Uh, so excluding his liquid magma performance against Seattle in week eight, uh, he was average all around with some TD explosion. So basically I'm making the case against him now, but here's where I'll turn it on in my case uh, for him. Um, I think most folks are remembering the last game that he played, uh, which was incredible 400 plus yards, four touchdowns, 65 yards rushing. And don't think that he could keep up that level of performance. Um, obviously, however, I don't think he's going to fall off completely, um, which a ton of people are calling for, which I think you are as well. And we're here for in a second. Um, his numbers outside of touchdowns aren't even that impressive, uh, which makes me think there's some regression to the positive there. Um, he can easily improve all of those numbers and possibly keep the touchdowns up with only Lamar Miller and a beat up Deontay Foreman in the backfield. Uh, let's not discount his weapons in the receiving core with Hopkins, Fuller, two passing backs, three capable tight ends, and his own cannon and legs. Um, I think his touchdowns will come back to earth somewhat, but his numbers extrapolated over 16 games would have been 3,800-plus uh, yards, 43 touchdowns, 18 picks, about 600 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, which I think all of those numbers are, are actually uh, achievable, um, save for maybe a couple uh, passing touchdowns. Um, he's an incredible athlete, seems to be healing nicely from his knee injury. He looks great in, uh, in uh, early spring here, um, and, uh, or, or fall camp rather, and um, he was a beast in college, and I, I hate to bring up college stats in the NFL, but with him only playing five real games, it's kind of what we can look at. Um, and he threw for over 4,000 yards and rushed for another 1,100 on the ground in one season, 2015, at Clemson. And he threw for 35 touchdowns in his final two years uh, at Clemson. Um, Watson had the most time to throw in the NFL at 3.15 seconds, according to Next Gen Stats, which is a lot of time to scramble, make some moves, and lose, um, kind of lose the ball down the field, obviously, to his giant uh, receivers. Um, he's able to be Mike Vick plus, I think, uh, once he gets going and let's not forget he's, he's kind of a, a, a rookie and a half here. Um, I believe in his team and his ability and, uh, if he can avoid the big hits and stay on the field, play 16 games. Um, I honestly believe he can outscore Russell Wilson, Cam and Brady. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, possibly a bold prediction as well. I just, Really, really like Watson, and uh, I'm excited to see you know him stay healthy and, and see what he can do over an entire season. Well, I do too. Uh, obviously, I think he's he's a case could be made for him 
maybe alongside Saquon Barkley is 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 the the most uh, I think uh, exciting situation to watch this upcoming season in, in fantasy football. I think everyone's going to be going to be sort of uh, glued to the screen watching these guys. Um, I, I I'm gonna I'm, I, I'm like salivating right now because I just love for some reason I, I get a big kick out of out of dipping Deshaun Watson. I have nothing. I actually happen to like the guy. I love watching his brand of football. I have nothing against him. I hope he recovers and does does well. But I am I am antagonistic. I feel kind of like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons. So uh, so I'm, I'm I'm going to enjoy popping everyone's uh, balloons here. Um, but yeah, I just I I think you can't discount. You you, know, you talk about how his his explosion last year was all of five maybe six games. But I don't think you can, especially in such a small sample. I don't think you can necessarily discount those first two games in which he was not great. Um, I think, you know, that represents a decent chunk of his NFL career at this point. Um, so I, I, I don't think you can necessarily just say that 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 those kind of don't count. And what we saw after that was the real Deshaun Watson. Um, I think it's important to remember that his explosion last year was all of five, maybe six games. Defenses have now had an entire offseason to sort of consider and review his game and create sort of more of a game plan against it. Um, He's coming off of a torn ACL, and might I mention his second torn ACL of his career. Um, and it, I agree with you; he has looked great in the preseason, and it seems like he's he's had a very smooth recovery. Obviously, he's very young, um, but I, I still have a, sort of a sneaking suspicion that the Titans might prefer to keep him a little more contained this year, um, expose him to to fewer risky plays, and that could come at the cost of some effectiveness. Um, but I think the 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 bigger concerns are you mentioned he had a ton of time to scramble around last year. I'm not convinced that he's going to have the same such uh, uh, comfort this year. The off the Texans offensive line, uh, as I understand it is looking a little bit dicey. I am by no means an expert on, on offensive lines, but that's just sort of the, the, the whiff I'm getting. Um, the defense is on the mend big time after kind of a lost year last year. Both of those things might work against Watson and his and his fantasy numbers. Obviously, you mentioned the touch, the 9.3% touchdown rate, which is just obviously going to tumble. There's no way he can sustain that. It's just a matter of how far. Um, another thing that I think is important to keep in mind is he averaged only 31, around 31 pass attempts per game last year. It's really, really, really hard to be a top five quarterback with that few pass attempts, even with his athleticism, with his wheels. Um, I think unless that number increases substantially, it's going to be, he's going to be have a, a seriously hard time beating out guys like uh, Russell Wilson and Brady and Drew Brees and, um, and the like. Um, the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind with Watson is if you want to draft him, you have to pay what, what I think some people are calling a fun tax which is that he's kind of has this shiny new toy appeal after shiny new toy appeal after his sort of uh, five six game explosion last year. I think people, I think his ADP is being chased into areas that I think are are quite extreme for a player coming uh, a six game an NFL player with six games under his belt, six real games under his belt, uh, coming off of a major injury. So it kind of seems like a hero pick that that people are are. I think a little bit e over eager about. Um, so if he were to fall, I'm not certainly wouldn't be opposed to drafting him if he fell far enough. But he's given where he's currently going, it's just a little too a little too risky for me. But uh, obviously, a, a lot of maybe I'm missing some because so many people are are predicting that he's just going to completely tear the league up this year. So I hope I'm wrong. He's a he's a great player. He's a fun player to watch. Um, but I, I, he's definitely nowhere. No one I'll be going near this year.
Sure. And to, to uh, counter back uh, just a little bit more, um, I, this is really tough for me on him. Um, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I honestly could see this kind of going either way. Uh, I can see him exploding and not being as ridiculous over an entire season as last year, but having more of those up games than not um, and having a really quality season. Plus, let's not forget, he does run um, yes. well. So for those of you in, in four-point touchdown uh, leagues for quarterbacks, I mean, that's a significant advantage uh, as we've seen Russell Wilson and, and – um, Cam Newton and uh, even guys like Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith and things. Uh, that's a huge, huge advantage in those leagues, particularly. But um, I could also see him, you know, kind of biting the dust a little bit as far as where he's getting drafted. So the overhype is, is possible. Um, I just I just think I just think it's real. I mean, again, watching him in college, kind of just like watching the guy away from football on different, you know, just kind of segments and things like that. I'm just kind of rooting for the guy, I think. And this is one of those just kind of like emotional picks where I just hope he does well. Um, I was really bummed to see him and, and Wentz go down last year uh, in particularly and, and um, just think that it could, it could go either way this year. And again, I'm not necessarily taking him as, as my game or anything like that. I just think that he could break out more so than he did last year and not as ridiculous, but more consistently over more games Um because arguably I would say outside of, you know, one or two huge games, he didn't even actually break out because he only played like five real games. And those first two, you know, he's a brand new rookie in the NFL. I don't really blame him on that, but you make a good point about the defense. Um, that's definitely real. So we'll see what happens, but I, I think we've, you know, made our cases both way for Watson. So I think it's definitely buyer beware for sure uh, either way, but, but he's definitely a dude we could have put in multiple, multiple categories we've talked about over the uh, beginning of this podcast here. And, and uh, he's definitely a boomer bust. He could be a gamer. He's definitely a breakout, possibly pump the brakes. Um, he could, he could win or lose your league. And, and it's definitely a sacrifice if you're picking him high up in your draft. So yep. be careful there, but that's enough to Sean Watson. Let's move on to your quarterback here in the breakouts. Yep. Uh, I don't think this is going to surprise anybody. Uh, although I'm sure a lot of people could just as easily label him as a bust candidate, but for me, it's going to be Pat Mahomes. Uh, I am, I am, all systems go on Pat Mahomes. I know that some people have been kind of scared off by some of the preseason reports, how he's been throwing a bunch of picks uh, in, in practice and things along those lines. But I, I don't, I, I think it's, he's got a freaking cannon for an arm um, and those things are going to happen early on. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he has, he has all the tools. I mean, he has athletic, he's mobile, he's relatively accurate. I would say actually quite accurate for, for such a young arm. Um, and his, his, his cannon is, I mean, uh, I've read actually like real reports that by, by people who know a lot more than me, they have compared his arm to Brett Favre. Uh, obviously that's extreme to be sure, but, um, but it just goes to show you, you know, what people think about, about this guy. Um, he had sort of a little audition in week 17 of last year, uh, eight, a little over eight yards per attempt. He had a 63% completion percentage. So I think, uh, not that he was lights out in that game, but he showed already some of the, some of the, um, the tools that he has on hand. Um, and he's placed into something of kind of a silver platter situation. I feel like he's got, a, a, a tool, you know, a toolbox full of weapons with Kelsey, uh, Sammy Watkins. I know we're not but neither of us are super bullish on Tyreek Hill, but you know, he's obviously still a talented receiver. Um, Kareem hunt as well. Um, so he's surrounded by speed, reliability, uh, and, and kind of a versatile group of, 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 
uh, of weapons. Um, the other thing is, is Kansas City's, uh, I think, really lousy execution on defense is only going to increase the likelihood that we see uh, Mahomes throw uh, a gazillion passes. I mean, I would not be surprised if he surpassed 500 attempts for the year. Um, I don't think, I think given his skill set, I don't think Andy Reid is going to pigeonhole him into, into a sort of a game manager approach that, uh, that Alex Smith had for, uh, for a lot of his time there. Um, and I think again, with the, with the defense being poor, I think a lot of sort of, game scripts are going to are going to force him to sort of really let loose a little bit and i think you'll see a lot of really uh impressive street connections to speedsters like hill and watkins um he's going to throw picks there's no doubt about it i could i wouldn't be shocked if it if it climbed into you know 15 to 18 um but I, he also has i think it's important to remember with him he has some pretty impressive wheels uh that might kind of help off offset some of the mistakes that he's almost undoubtedly going to make so my sort of uh kind of bold prediction or bold forecast is that he uh he attains something in the vicinity of 4100 passing yards uh somewhere between 25 and 30 total touchdowns including that includes some rushing touchdowns um i think he's going to be i think he's going to be a stud personally yeah and this is uh you know to save the listeners another lengthy um argument here i've I've made my case in the boom bust category for for mahomes um you know but one of the uh, so i could see it going both ways of course and and i think you know we could just battle over him i i I kind of think that he's kind of the deshaun watson uh, just again um where you can make the case either way uh but just you know something that i'm a little bit hesitant on is just um him being young uh with with some pretty solid defenses in his division. Um, yep. He has all the weapons in the world. And we all saw the 70 yard in the air pass to Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill was literally like five yards ahead of three defenders. Um, it was just backyard football and uh, they're ridiculous. Sure. They're, they're absolutely ridiculous. And I could see it happening. Um, I'm just yep. uh, not drinking the Kool-Aid yet. A breakout for sure. Could definitely see that happen. Cause he, I mean, he didn't even play last year, so he, he can only go up. <laughs> but um, yep. I'm not uh, super feeling it. I would definitely be looking at him if I got somebody, you know, like Rivers or uh, Stafford or Big Ben or Jimmy G or someone like that uh, in the middle to late of a draft if I'm waiting on that. And I'm looking for kind of a second guy on a bench just in case. I think Mahomes is a great high upside. Just keep him on your bench sure. for five weeks and see what happens. But other than that, I'm not really drinking the Kool-Aid just yet. But this time next year, uh, he could be the Deshaun Watson. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, the big difference between he and Deshaun Watson is is uh, Mahomes is currently 124th off the board Oof. in in PPR drafts. Deshaun Watson is 48th. So, uh, so if you think that they're similar, uh, you you probably better best wait just wait for for Mahomes or or somebody else late in the draft as opposed to reaching for somebody like Deshaun Watson. But we'll see. There you go. All right. Well, that was that was uh, quite a bit on the quarterback. Let's uh, move it down to running backs. And I'm going to go with Alex Collins of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, Collins ended the year as the running back eight in PPR and standard formats behind only Kamara, Gurley, Lev Ingram, Shady McCoy, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Deion Lewis. And everyone but Deion Lewis is being drafted as a running back one or two. And Collins didn't even see more than 15 carries in a game until week eight. After that, he was in sort of a timeshare as well with Buck Allen, but Collins outperformed Buck Allen on the ground and wasn't too far behind him in the passing game either. Buck Allen, when healthy, uh, is a possible breakout candidate himself, 
um, along with with Dixon, but I think that both have had their chances uh, to supplant their their you know starting running back role in the Ravens, and neither one have been able to do it either with production or injury. So I, I'm I'm really confident that that uh, Alex Collins it's, it's his job to lose there, and I think he'll do well with it. Um, Collins uh, has sim- similar measurables to Marshawn Lynch. And uh, we've all seen what Marshawn did, you know, early in his career. Uh, Collins even looks like Marshawn Lynch with the tinted visor and, and the dreadlocks and everything. Um, and he's been nicknamed Baby Beast Mode, which which I love. Um, Collins runs angry, uh, much like, you know, Marshawn. And he gives the Ravens some grit on offense that I don't think they have otherwise. For so many years, they had uh, Steve Smith, um, who just kind of had that passion and that fire. Um, and they haven't really had that since he, he uh, moved on. And I think that Alex Collins brings him a little, a little, uh, you know, attitude, uh, which I think is important. Um, we know their defense runs hot, but Flacco is soft. And I, I really believe in, uh, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson um, and his preseason is just proving me more correct. I just think it's a matter of time there uh, before he takes over. And um, until then, I think they're going to lean on the run. Uh, we all know that Joe Flacco can chuck it, but I, I don't think he'll be able to keep up with the demands. And um, I, I just think a couple he's a couple hits away from a, another back injury, and I think he'll be out sooner than later, although I don't wish injury on anybody. I just think it's a realistic possibility that he's not playing very many games. Um, all in all, this is kind of a gut call, uh, but I feel really confident about it. Um, I could see Collins finishing as a low RB1 or a high RB2. Uh, if he plays 16 games. And frankly, I mean, you know, he was pretty, you know, he, he did that in eight games last year. So I, I feel pretty confident he can do well. Um, he signed a, a one-year prove-it deal. Um, so he's definitely got something to play for. And, and the Ravens have, uh, you know, kind of moved on from actually believing in, in Dixon and Allen, as I said. So um, I don't think they would give Collins a prove-it deal if they didn't uh, – you know, believe that that he could do it and, and potentially stretch it into the future uh, if he can make it happen. I think the Seattle Seahawks are still kicking themselves for um, drafting him and then letting him go right away. And, and we know kind of the debauchery going on over in, in Seattle with their running back uh, core. And, and uh, I really, really think uh, Collins is going to do quite well for, for the Ravens this year. And I agree. I've been um, I've been uh, drafting him and and like a, I've been kind of keeping track of who I drafted after doing a bunch of mock drafts and just kind of who I end up with. And I, I think I've ended up with him arguably more than just about any other running back because also he's at he seems to be at that perfect part of the draft in PPR leagues. If I'm I tend to go receivers and you know the first two rounds and then snag uh, Alex Collins as an RB as my top RB in the third or fourth. Um, and and he's he, I think he's gonna. I would not be shocked at all if he surpassed that that draft position. So yeah, I'm I'm on board with the Alex Collins train. Um, yeah. for my running back pick uh, for breakout, I'm going with uh, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Um, so he's for for those of you been paying attention, he is not going to play for the first two weeks of the season. He is suspended. Um, so that means Jamal Williams will almost undoubtedly begin the season as their starter. Um, but I, I don't for starters, I don't I'm not super high on Jamal Williams. I think he was serviceable in his time as the, as the, the main guy over there last year. Um, but ultimately he averaged 3.6 yards per carry. He had only six runs of 10 yards or more. I just don't think he, he has the explosiveness uh, to really cut it as a, as a, as a bell cow back. Um, 
but Jones was easily the most dynamic talent of the team's three starters between uh, he, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery um, when given the chance. In his four starts, he averaged uh, more than 11 carries a game, a, a whopping 6.4 yards per carry, um, and 2.75 yards after contact per rush. Um, health is a concern to some extent with him, but assuming he can stay healthy, I think I would not be shocked if he overtook Jamal Williams fairly quickly upon his return. Um, and I think I, I would not be shocked at all if that were to happen, that he could be a top 15, maybe even a top 12 performer at that position. So I'm, I'm all in on Aaron Jones. Um, I think uh, he's somebody that could end up being a bargain uh, in drafts this year, given where he's going. Um, so, you know, somebody to think about uh, on draft day as you're kind of looking into that second or third running back for sure. I totally agree. And uh, you really um, kind of the industry professionals are suggesting that you just get any of the uh, Green Bay running backs to get a piece of that Aaron Rodgers offense. Um, I think that's kind of a deadly strategy, um, unless you're going to get two of them uh, and just right. hope that, you know, you get two, two out of three that you're going to hopefully hit. I just don't think that's a good move. I, I think Ty Montgomery, we saw what he did for a couple of games a few years ago when he just had to play running back and uh, he's serviceable because he's a good athlete, but he's, he's a receiver. Right. He's not a running back. Um, Jamal Williams is, is not terrible, but uh, when they compare each other, Jamal Williams had a couple big games, but Aaron Jones is more consistent and has kind of a break breakaway possibility there. So I totally agree with you. Aaron Jones is definitely Definitely my uh, Green Bay running back. Um, I think, again, he's missing two games. So Jamal Williams does have a chance to kind of play so well that they can't take him out. And frankly, with Aaron Rodgers, that, you know, that's uh, definitely possible. Um, he could actually score three or four touchdowns over the first two weeks and, and they're not going to be able to take him out. But I think that, you know, Mike McCarthy's basically just come out and been like, no matter what happens, this is going to be a timeshare and it's either two or three backs involved. So it's a little bit scary, but uh, if you're, if you're taking one of these guys later on in your draft, just to see who hits, I would put my money on Aaron Jones. Most definitely. I agree with you there. Uh, let's turn to the uh, receivers here. I know um, you and I have a little bit of a disagreement here as, as the uh, kind of the, the second fiddle to Keenan Allen um, in, uh, in, in, uh, LA now. I almost said San Diego. I do it all the time. Um, some, <laughs> I, someday I we'll, San Diego more than I say LA, so it's okay. Someday we'll all get it. Sorry about that, fans. <laughs> um, but the Chargers, uh, we all know Keenan Allen is, is certainly the, uh, the top dog by far um, right now. But uh, my breakout for um, the receiver position is Mike Williams. Um, I actually wrote, <laughs> kind of wrote all this out um, before the preseason had really kind of got underway and, and not to like toot my own horn or anything. It's just been nice to see him actually producing in the preseason and now everyone's going bonkers. So his ADP is, is uh, skyrocketing now. So this isn't as, as cool of a call as it was when I wrote it down, but um you know, it, it's just coming to fruition, basically. Uh, he was a seventh overall pick in 2017, so last year, out of Clemson. And, uh, frankly, the dude's a freak. He's 6'4", in the red zone target now that Hunter Henry is out for the year. Um, and the, the Chargers are already working Mike Williams. Uh, you know, he's the, he's the wide receiver three right now on the team. Um, but I could see him surpassing Tyrell Williams, which I know that you probably have a rebuttal there, but I could see him surpassing Tyrell Williams after a couple of games once he gets his uh, his NFL game speed under under his belt there. Um, Tyrell is great, and he's definitely legit himself. I just don't think he has the athleticism that Mike does. Um, Mike Williams missed most of 2017, but uh, 2016 at Clemson, he caught 98 catches 
um, for 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns from Deshaun Watson. And of course, I, I pulled out the college stats again because a lot of his rookie season was also washed out. So that's just kind of his last uh, production. Um, he's unproven for sure uh, and has a lot to learn, but Keenan Allen has had injury problems, obviously, and I'm not sure that uh, Tyrell will be able to be the number one if that happens again this year, um, assuming Mike Williams is, is ready to go. So um, watching him practice this training camp is awesome. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he's athletic, he's catching balls uh, from one of the best quarterbacks in the game in Phillip Rivers. Um, you know, Rivers was a, uh, basically has a basketball team to throw to. I mean, all these guys are, are you know, six, one plus. Um, and uh, I think he'll be choosing Mike Williams in, in the red zone. And, and for fantasy purposes, I think Mike Williams will probably get the least amount of receptions, but I think uh, he has a chance to potentially battle Keenan Allen for the most yardage. And I think that he'll just have the most touchdowns on the team. So I think any one of those re uh, receivers in, um, Los Angeles can definitely kind of help your team in different ways. I just think Mike Williams might be able to kind of have a little bit of all of it. Um, now that he's around this year, I don't think Keenan Allen will, will get all of those uh, touchdowns. Um, so uh, I just, I just see Mike Williams picking up speed very quickly. He was a huge prospect coming out. He got hurt early last year, seems to be healthy. And uh, now that he's, he's ready to go. Um, I just see a huge season coming for Mike Williams. And if it's not this year, I could definitely see this being a year early. Um, but soon enough, I, I think he's going to be a terror in the NFL. Yeah, I, I do not think it's a year early. I think I, 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 I mean, I think I've been I've been sort of touting Tyrell Williams as a guy who's who's been around a little longer and I think just hasn't quite gotten uh, a fair chance to sort of prove what he can do. And I think he, I think he has a lot of talent and he'll, I think he'll catch a decent amount of passes, but no, I think the more I, especially watching some of Mike Williams, uh, you know, some of his, some of the footage on him and, and uh, the more I kind of sort of read and, and, and kind of learn about this guy, I think I'm coming around to your side of the fence too. I think the guy is a beast. Um, I absolutely agree that he might, he would certainly, I think is a decent bet to, to top uh, at least Tyrell. I'm not going to, I would say at least Tyrell Williams in, uh, in yardage. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I'm not sure he'll get as many receptions, but, um, yeah, I, he's definitely a beast. I think this is going to be the year for him. Uh, he's got a more than capable quarterback thrown to him. So I think we're going to, we're going to sort of see some, some fun, uh, some fun highlight real stuff from him, I think. So couldn't agree more. Um, my, my pick uh, for receiver, and this is a very pretty popular pick, I think, for breakout candidates, but I'm going to go with it anyway because I love the guy, and that's Corey Davis um, of the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think my my love for Davis is in part, I, I feel like he and, and his quarterback, Marcus Mariota, are sort of kindred spirits um, in that uh, they're both kind of former elite prospects, sort of uh, inhibited so far by kind of a blend of nasty injuries and terrible archaic offenses um and i think that that ends for both of those guys this year i think both have a, a incredible potential i know you're very very high on mariota um and i think uh so not only does this is my my pick for davis kind of tied to my appreciation of mariota's potential but i'm also recognizing davis just in and of himself i think uh the increased sort of upside and utility that he offers um, in Matt LaFleur's uh, new offense over there in Tennessee. Um, I think uh, 
where he's going in drafts is actually interesting because he's going like right around or right behind uh, Michael Crabtree, who's another, I think, interesting guy this year who's going to probably have a big role in the Ravens offense. And I think um, in some sense, if you have, you know, uh, kind of back-to-back picks in a draft around that time, those are two receivers that could potentially uh, really do big, big things for your team. Um, uh, kind of once you get past the the top guys. Um, so, so uh, you know, I think Corey Davis is an athletic machine. I think he's going to have a big role in that offense. I think Mariota is going to take a huge step forward. Um, and I think we're going to see in general, I think you and I have talked quite a bit on the show about the Titans offense and kind of how excited we are for it this year. And I think Corey Davis might be uh, the most exciting part of it. So uh, he's definitely my pick for for a breakout candidate, I think. Nice. I, I love it, man. I hope you're right. Because again, I'm, I'm uh, just a fan of, of Marcus again. Uh, you know, I, I do live in Eugene. Um, I have the pleasure of watching him uh, with the ducks when he was absolutely crushing it. And he's just a good dude, just a great soul. So I'm definitely rooting for Marcus Mariota. And I think that um, he's kind of had a, a tough, uh, tough go early in his career with injuries and things like that in the pros, but I'm, I'm expecting a big bounce back from him. And, and frankly, that's going to go through uh, Corey Davis this year. Um, Rashard Matthews has uh, obviously been bad on those injuries and things like that. So we'll see what other options they have there outside of Delaney Walker. So hopefully they can get, um, they can get uh, Corey Davis moving. So I love it, man. I hope you're, I hope you're right there. I don't really have anything negative to say that you haven't, uh, you know, outside of the uh, potential injury risk can be in young uh, yada, yada, but I mean, you can say that for half the league. So I'm not going to uh, necessarily knock him too hard for that. Let's go with the tight ends here. Um, I'm going to take a stab. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at um, Njoku of of the Browns, and I just I just feel like okay. this is this is the year to this is the year to to get on the Browns hype train, and I'm I'm doing it, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, for you know, you and I uh, haven't been shy about our love for baseball on this podcast, which I'm not going to go into that because I know so many like fantasy football people hate baseball for some reason. It's just like <laughs> battle in the industry. It's ridiculous. So we're not going to go into baseball. However, there's been these teams for years in baseball, like the Pirates or, um, you know, the, 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 the Phillies or, you know, teams like that or the Cubs before they were the Cubs that we all know now who have just been like perennially horrible. And I root for them just because, like, why not root for, for the underdog? And the Browns have been that team forever. Um, and they're finally good. They have a lot of hype this year. A lot of people are picking them for the playoffs. They've got all these studs. So I thought I'd throw someone in here and see how it see how it sticks. Um, I really like Njoku. Uh, I wrote this column as well. Again, like I mentioned before, the preseason really got going. But right away, he caught two touchdowns in the first preseason game, um, both from Tyrod Taylor and from uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, one of them from Tyrod was a 36-yard uh, um, kind of nice just post route up the seam and uh, beating linebackers. And the other one was a jump ball in the back of the end zone. Uh, over two DBs uh, for the Giants from Baker. So we kind of had, you know, both things you're looking for there on the tight end. He's a freak athlete, um, as a lot of us know. Um, as long as Tyrod is the quarterback, I think Njoku's chances of staying relevant are much, much higher. Uh, Charles Clay, who I know you've given some love to over the uh, preseason here, averaged uh, 50 catches, about 500 yards, and three and a half touchdowns with Tyrod and Buffalo. And um, obviously there's there's – you know, much more significant uh, weapons now in Cleveland than there there had been in Buffalo, which is kind of uh, odd to say. But obviously, Cleveland had has reloaded all over the field this year. But I think um, 
Njoku can can separate and find the middle of of the field um, where Landry's kind of doing the shallow slants and and quick curls and things like that to get those receptions and yards after the catch where uh, Gordon um, assume he's uh, ready to go. Although uh, we just got news that uh, he will not be starting week one. So those of you drafting him, uh, make sure you're prepared for that. That might wow. help his ADP a little bit. Cause I actually love Josh Gordon in general, but sounds like um, he's not going to be starting the first week at least. Although, you know, we're a week early. It could be coaches talk. Anyway, uh, Gordon's deep bombs um, are going to be another area where um, Njoku is just not going to be involved. So I think he's going to have that kind of middle range there, which is great. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take much for a tight end um, to get tight end one numbers uh, week over week. So I, I definitely think Njoku can be a, a tight end one more often than not. Um, and I think he'll have some week winning weeks uh, and, and consistency with Tyrod Taylor. Now, if and when Baker takes over, it'll be kind of a wild card because we're just not sure how that's going to happen. However, it still looks good for Njoku um, because Todd Haley, uh, the new OC coming over from Pittsburgh, fed Jesse James similar numbers uh, that Clay had uh, with 40 catches, 350-plus yards, and three touchdowns per season. And Jesse James is nowhere close to the athlete that Njoku is. So, you know, I think – Gordon is always a wild card on his week-to-week uh, availability, as we now know for week one already, um, although I, I do think he's going to play a full season and will be solid. Um, Corey Coleman just got shipped off to Buffalo. Uh, Duke Johnson has his role as a pass-catching running back, but again, not really on the deep middle routes there. Um, Antonio Callaway uh, could be the new Josh Gordon with his off-the-field antics, uh, although he's a he's a machine too on the speed down the field and Baker loves him. Um, Landry is kind of the short and sweet option, I think. And Rashard Higgins, uh, who's just kind of a name that I think is falling through the cracks with their, their uh, new talent there um, came on late last year, but wasn't really a consistent option per se. So there's a lot of mouths to feed, but I think that Njoku could kind of be the guy um, certainly in the, in the, in the red zone and uh, Haley likes to chuck it. And Njoku is a huge target with wide receiver athleticism. So, we could see him top, you know, uh, top five tight end uh, if the chips fall his way and definitely a, a, a late pick if you're waiting on tight ends. In uh, a few episodes, um, I made a, a bold prediction that I didn't think that um, the big three getting drafted, uh, Gronk, Ertz, and Kelsey, I didn't think uh, – I thought somebody other than those three was going to finish as the number one tight end. And um, I think it's a long shot, but just to kind of add on to the – Bold prediction there. I think Njoku is one of those wild card guys where I just think the matchup with Tyrod, if he plays a significant amount of games and the athleticism, um, I think Njoku's sneaky to possibly be that guy. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not super huge on him uh, as far as drafting him everywhere, but if you're waiting on tight ends with a lot of people do, I think he's a great, a great option. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think obviously everything that held him back last year, has, has effectively been been remedied this year. Um, obviously, you mentioned, you know, uh, Tyrod Taylor loves his tight ends. He loved Charles Clay in Buffalo. But even if, uh, even if uh, what, you know, what a lot of people are predicting happens, what does happen, uh, and that's if Baker Mayfield takes over, um, he actually fed tight ends quite a bit um, in, his, in his time in college. So I think, you know, either player is going to be, is going to be very useful for, for Njoku's value. Um, and I can't also help but think about um, uh, offensive coordinator Todd Haley when he was, when his use of tight ends 
when he was with Pittsburgh and the types of uh, kind of plays that Ben Roethlisberger used to love. Um, I think Njoku kind of fits in with, with that scheme as well. So I think, uh, I, I, I think this is going to be a huge year for him. Definitely somebody to look at if you miss out on some of the top guys uh, at the tight end position. Right. And let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's keep an eye on my, on my first crazy call, which was Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield in the season as a QB one, which I think QB one might be a stretch. However, uh, both of them look extremely tasty uh, in, yeah, in the preseason, man. They are both feeling it. Lamar Jackson is scoring touchdowns left and right with his legs throwing as well. Baker looks awesome. Tyrod dislocated his finger last game. So we'll, you know, we'll see what happens there, but, but uh, there's a lot of chips to fall, but keep an eye on those guys. Uh, we made a post on our Instagram um, about that with some videos of those highlights. If you want to go check it out uh, at the candlestick kids. Um, and also just a quick correction on myself, the uh, tight end prediction was a crazy call, not quite a bold prediction. So it's a little, a little deeper down there, but still, I, um, I, I think that Njoku is, is potentially an option for uh, somebody to sur- surpass the, uh, the big guys if it happens. So, No doubt. All right. Um, so for my final pick, my tight end pick, uh, I'm going with uh, Trey Burton of the Chicago Bears. Uh, mo- uh, up to this point, most famous for throwing a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he, I, I, I think uh, – you know, the, the way it's looking, he should be one of the top targets for uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, who should emerge, and I, I think is, is uh, a solid sort of break, a breakout candidate himself uh, this year after he was pretty much disastrous last year. He has a number of uh, improved weapons, certainly better coaching. Um, so I think uh, Burton's stepping into a wonderful situation with uh, his new head coach, um, uh, who came from the Chiefs and is, I think, arguably most known for making Travis Kelsey a focal point of the offense over there. Um, I could see the same thing sort of easily happening uh, in, in uh, Trey Burton in Chicago. I think he should, at the very least, he should easily top a hundred targets, um, which, which in and of itself sort of makes him valuable and especially in PPR formats. Um, and I think he should be able to find his way into the end zone at least six or seven times uh, during this first season. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if he emerged as, as uh, maybe the top weapon over there. I'm not, I've, I've talked about Allen Robinson and how I'm not overly enamored with him. Uh, I do like Anthony Miller, but we'll, we'll you know, obviously he's a, a major unknown, so we'll kind of have to check in there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Burton ended up as one of the main guys over there, um, a la Kelsey in in uh, in Kansas City. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but I, I, he's definitely somebody I'm looking into in draft day if I, if I pass on uh, Ertz or, or uh, Kelsey or some of the top guys. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of hype. I think Trey Burton's going to be one of those guys that that uh, either lights it up and makes a lot of these fantasy industry uh, folks real happy, or I don't think he's going to bomb. He's just in too good of a position outside of an injury to bomb. But um, if he doesn't come through with huge numbers, I think he could potentially let a lot of people down. Um, but I love him. I love him. I've definitely got him in some drafts, and I, I get him in mocks all the time. I'm actually kind of an early tight end guy personally, uh, just because I love Zach Ertz, and he falls to me in the third, fourth round, and I just can't pass up on that. Um, however, uh, Trey Burton is a great kind of middle middle round guy, or, or late even, if uh, if he's fallen in your in your home leagues where people don't you know listen to podcasts. Um, you know, a couple times a week and, and aren't, aren't up to snuff on all this stuff. So I think that's a, that's a great call. I, I expect big things as well from Trey Burton. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. 
I said, easy, big fella. Let's not lose our heads here. Let's not blow this out of proportion. All right, let's everybody just calm the down. First, take a big step back and literally your own face. All right, let's kick it off with our pump the brakes segment. These are some players that we just think the hype is a little overblown. And uh, these are all, you know, probably stud players because uh, they're, they're kind of getting the hype. Uh, we just think for one reason or another that it's a little bit um, undeserving, I guess, at, at the magnitude that it's being delivered. And mine right off the bat might be a uh, unpopular uh, pick, but I'm going to go with Cam Newton. Um, He's thrown for fewer than 4,000 yards in four of his seven seasons. Uh, his rushing capability is obviously top amongst quarterbacks, if not the best. Um, but they brought in uh, C.J. Anderson from Denver, and uh, Christian McCaffrey is looking real prime in the preseason here um, and will be definitely getting more touches. I think Christian McCaffrey is actually going to be more of a bell cow back than than even I anticipated. I've been really high on uh, C.J. Anderson, but I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be uh, more of that guy than I think a lot of us uh, thought was going to happen when C.J. came over. Um, he just looks amazing in the preseason. And um, Cam Newton's not exactly Superman when it comes to his injury risk. Uh, already this preseason, um, you know, he suffered a concussion. Well, not a concussion, but he went into concussion protocol after awkwardly landing on his uh, his head and, and tweaking his neck. And um, what make Cam, what makes Cam Newton, uh, Cam Newton is that he puts his body on the line. Um, he's huge. So he can reach for an extra like two yards um, on the goal line, of course, which he's been doing for years and on first downs and things like that. But I just think he's a little reckless abandon um, for uh, kind of getting up there and, and uh, you know, a little bit on the back half of his career potentially. Um, and uh their offensive line is really the scare for me. Cam Newton by himself is a beast. He's a risk with an injury, I guess, but it's definitely worth the risk with, with what he can do for you on the field. Um, although their offensive line, frankly, terrifies me and actually has made me, you know, kind of bail off of CJ Anderson uh, as much as I was toting him early on. Um, they have a number of, of injuries. Uh, they lost um, arguably the best, uh, you know, guard in the NFL in Norwell to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the offseason. They lost Daryl Williams to a torn MCL. Um, Matt Khalil uh, will probably miss a game or two as he just had a knee scope. Um, the rest of their offensive line is quite poor. Um, Carolina was listed at the beginning of the preseason as the 21st overall offensive line by Pro Football Focus, which is down 10 from last year. However, um, I don't think that's accounting for some of the, uh, the injuries that they've, they've had up front already. So I would even argue that they're lower than that at this point. Um, and they'll be hard-pressed to fill those shoes uh, of those three players as um, really their depth is, is minimal and just uh, not very quality overall. Um, and uh, Norv Turner uh, is, is coming back in. He was with Minnesota early last year, took off midseason, um, and uh, he's uh, in Carolina now. But um, he likes to run the ball. He likes to have a bell car running back, which is great for Christian McCaffrey and or C.J. Anderson. But I just I think not so much for Cam. Um, Cam can obviously win your league, uh, but I think that he can certainly lose it as well. And um, 
I certainly don't want to, you know, predict negativity or anything like that, but just on a fantasy basis, I think honestly the decline of his career uh, starts this year. I just think with the situations going on in Carolina right now with the offensive line um, and honestly, the defenses in that division have really upped their game as well, where I think the Saints were pitiful, the Buccaneers were pitiful, and the Falcons weren't really much to write home about either. All three of those have significantly upped their game in the last year, and um, I think Cam is going to be playing some competition twice a year that he's not used to. So I just, I'm just not feeling it. And, of course, you're going to have to get Cam early, um, and I just don't want him uh, leading my team, frankly. Um, it's just a little risky for me. I think I think everything you said is 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 accurate. Um, I, I still I, I like Cam. I think a bit more than than you do. I think partially because I I still think he's a relatively high floor guy. As long as they continue to unleash him with the run, if they if they sort of uh, my fear is that they they become afraid that he's going to get that he's going to get knocked around too much and they sort of hold him back. That's what they did in 2016. They kind of tried to rein in his rushing attempts. Uh, and that was a year that he was, that was one of his worst fantasy, uh, one of his worst years in terms of for fantasy production. I think he finished his QB 17 that year. Um, but in every year other than that and 2014, which was his other dud year that was marred by injuries. Um, he's, he has four, uh, four top four finishes in the past uh, six years. So he's definitely, uh, I would say he no, he certainly carries risk for the reasons that you mentioned, but he's also, uh, I think, in many ways more stable than some due to his due to his rushing ability, and, and I think there is some upgraded weaponry weaponry around him uh, despite the offensive line issues. But um, so so I do like Cam, um, but but I, I I I think I've reined in I, I've kind of for the same reason that you've reined in your love of C.J. Henderson, I've kind of gone back a little bit off of Cam. For for the the reason that you mentioned the offensive line and other things, so I, I do I do see what you're saying for sure. Right, John. Well, we've already talked about your your yeah. pump pump the brakes candidate in Watson. So let's move down. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna double up here and, and uh, take on my uh, my running back here if you don't mind. Yeah, um, let her rip. So I'm gonna go with Lamar Miller at running back. Um, there's a lot of hype. Uh, behind him as um, just kind of being amazing last year with Deshaun Watson. And as much as I just made a case for just Deshaun Watson, who I, I do love, um, I just don't believe in Lamar Miller. Um, he saw his yards per carry decrease for the fourth year in a row last year. He scored only three rushing touchdowns and was getting surpassed by Deonta Foreman before he tore his Achilles and later by Alfred Blue, who's been kind of a perennial backup in Houston for years um, late in the season. Uh, Miller's best bet of remaining relevant, in my opinion, is in the passing game. We're hoping that Foreman isn't 100%, uh, which as of now, Foreman's on the pup. So that's good for, for Lamar, but I don't think he'll be there uh, the entire season. Generally, it's kind of a six-week six waiting period. Um, and uh, I don't know. We keep an eye on that. But if and when Foreman comes back, I think it'll be a, uh, a committee at best. And frankly, if, if Foreman comes back healthy, which it looks like he is recovering decently well, although not ready for the uh, beginning of the season, I could see him surpassing Lamar Miller. Alfred Blue doesn't scare me. Um, but I, I just think Lamar Miller could be a decent pick right now in the middle of rounds for the first four to five, six uh, weeks. But um, I would certainly prepare yourself for him not being a full season candidate, even if he stays healthy. Yeah, we'll see. I think, I think I, I agree with you on the health. I think that's the main thing that, that concerns me with, with 
uh, Lamar Miller. I do think that if he's on the field, though, I think he has a chance. I'm not – Alfred Blue is, is a plotter who has shown nothing in basically in his, in his NFL career that suggests he warrants a number of carries. I do like Deontay Foreman, but I think they're certainly going to be taking it easy with him. Um, he's going to uh, – I think he, he looks like he's going to be going to start the season on the, on the BUP list. Um, he's not somebody that I bet, at least for a while, eating too much into, into – seems like based on everything that that I'm hearing out of their camp that they really do see him as a three down back and just that that means by definition that he's going to see a lot of volume whether or not he's as good as 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 some of the top guy I mean his yards per carry last season was not great 3.7 um, he should still get consistent enough volume to make him a solid uh, running back too um, and if you if you kind of buy into what he did when before Deshaun Watson got hurt, he could theoretically finish a lot more than that because he was actually playing quite well uh, with Deshaun with Deshaun Watson under center. So uh, we'll see. I think there is still a little bit of upside there, provided he stay healthy. Um, but even if even if he kind of remains a similar player, I think he might see enough volume to be at least decently valuable in fantasy leagues. But we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. I just um, I think he's. Uh... I think he's risky. I think he's risky. He's he's risky for sure. But a lot of running backs at that point in the draft, I would say, are relatively risky. So so there's there's I think something to be said for that too. Um, certainly, my pick here is is risky. I think, um, and he's being drafted a lot higher than Lamar Miller, and that's Dalvin Cook is is my pick for pump the breakouts. Um, this is not anything about how I think of him as a player. Uh, what he did in his four games as a rookie was more than impressive, uh, 354 rushing yards, 90 receiving yards. Um, but do you feel comfortable about using sort of a borderline first-round pick on, on a player who's played uh, four games and is coming off of a torn ACL, which I think I talked earlier in the show about the, the sort of the high risk uh, associated with David Johnson. Uh, I think that goes double for, for somebody. David Johnson's coming off of, what was it, a, a wrist injury, right? Um, Dalvin Cook is coming off of a torn ACL, which is a far more serious injury for running back. So he's that alone, I would say, makes him uh, a pretty risky candidate. Um, even if he is healthy, even if even if he does sort of uh, flash some of the explosiveness that he showed in his four games as a rookie, I'm not convinced that the Vikings are going to even be ready to give him a heavy workload, um, especially earlier in the season. Uh, Latavius Murray has been uh, quietly kind of hot this this preseason, and I think he's uh, I think he's going to amass a pretty significant workload, uh, especially early in the season. I think he might quite they could very legitimate those two could very legitimately be in a timeshare. Uh, Murray, who's not I you know in the times that I've seen him, I don't think he's the most impressive running back, but he did amass 842 running, rushing yards last season, and, and like I said, he has been tearing it up so far in the preseason. Um, and I think uh, the Vikings. To do this uh, cautiously, I think, is the way to approach dealing with a potential franchise player coming back from from a, a serious injury. So I like more as a target in rounds like three or four, but I, I don't no draft pretty much is he going that far down. So to me, he's somebody that I'll likely be shying away from um, on, on draft day, despite the fact that I do like him as a player. And I certainly think he has a tremendously bright future over there in Minnesota. I agree with you. I really want to root for him, and I want him to be a, a, a boss. I just think he's a, he's a machine. I've actually made a case for him already on the podcast. Um, but uh, Latavius Murray is not going anywhere. 
and um, he's looking really good early and uh, they've already kind of come out and say that, um, you know, they want to get him more carries and start Dalvin slowly. And, you know, by mid season, we could see Dalvin cook just take over and, and be, be what we all think he's going to be, but that might take six to eight weeks. Um, and if you're drafting him, like you said, end of the first round, probably beginning or middle to the second round, that's some pretty serious equity uh, to put into somebody who might be in a timeshare to start the season. So I think Dalvin Cook's more of a player to pass on in the draft as much as it might hurt your, hurt your soul um, because we all know <laughs> his potential, but pass right. on him in the draft and just keep your eye on him weeks four, five, six, seven, eight, when the buys start coming up and people start kind of, you know, looking for trades and things like that injuries start to happen because uh, Dalvin Cook could be a steal weeks, you know, yes. eight, 10, yes. 12, uh, rolling into the postseason. Uh, when it starts mm -hmm. getting cold in Minnesota, uh, you know, and, and Chicago and, and Detroit and, um, you know, Green Bay, that whole division, I mean, they're going to start grinding it out later on in the season. So definitely want to keep an eye on him. Yep. Definitely somebody you could potentially end up giving up in a trade, you know, your, you know, I don't know, fourth best wide receiver or third best wide receiver or something and end up getting uh, an elite running back later down in, down in the season. So I agree with you there for sure. Especially if he struggles or somehow Latavius Murray scores, say, six touchdowns and Dalvin scores three and they have adequate stats rushing yards wise and, and, and Dalvin Cook's just lower than him in like total fantasy points, something that people are going to look for in a trade. Um, right. All of a sudden, Dalvin Cook is like, dude, prime time for a trade. And if yep. you're in the keeper leagues, depending on the rules and stuff, like, yeah, that's something where somebody like Keelan Cole goes nuts for five weeks and you end up trading him for Dalvin Cook. Like, let's be serious. Right, you know? right. Yeah, so, sure. okay, moving to the, moving to the uh, receivers, here's another unpopular pick. And I know that uh, we're going to battle here a little bit. Um, and this is kind of tough for me because I, I, I wrote these – uh, a few weeks ago in preparation for the podcast and getting things rolling. And I I've had my, my, just my super just hatred for the Seahawks. And I've been really like excited about that. And it's, it's just bumming me out that all of a sudden, you know, Baldwin is who everyone thinks he's going to be. And I know that he's solid. And now my, my projections are just going through the roof here. So um, I had him at like wide receiver 18 a couple weeks ago when he was injured and I wrote this, you know, column. And now all of a sudden he's, up into my top 12 and makes Russell look better. So we'll see if some of my things will come back to haunt me, but this is kind of a weird one. Um, honestly, this is more just like a gut call for me with, with Baldwin, but uh, he does have the, the lingering knee issue. Um, that's, you know, had him miss some time in training camp um, and knee issues in general with wide receivers is just not a good idea. I mean, one wrong step. We hear guys all the time Deshaun Watson's injury last year happened in practice. So sometimes things just go the wrong way. And I just worry if, if Baldwin's on kind of an uneven field and we can't get any gauge out of Seattle because Pete Carroll is just inevitably ridiculously optimistic no matter what. So that's not really going to help us out. But, <laughs> no. And he doesn't, he doesn't let anything loose any in no. terms of information. So yeah. no, no, he's, he's like, he's like Belichick. He just like, yeah. you know, yeah. is optimistic instead of not saying anything. Um, you know, the injury along with, um, no one else uh, to garner attention, in my opinion. I don't think Tyler Lockett is that guy to make anybody think they're worried about him other than his just straight-up speed. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think Paul Richardson's going to be a, a huge contributor, per se, to, to uh, take away a double team from, from Baldwin. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, Jeremy Graham's gone now, so they don't have that big-time tight end necessarily. Um, and uh, so we'll... 
we'll see, but they, they have a struggling run game at best. I actually really like Chris Carson uh, for mm-hmm. uh, talk about a guy you could draft right now instead of Dalvin cook and then trade those players come week five. Um, but uh, you know, Rashad Penny is not going to be ready to start. And um, I just think that, that, that backfield's kind of up in the air, plus their offensive lines rough. So basically to, to run down some, some seasons here, which aren't terrible, but to, to kind of make a case for, for Baldwin's downtick here, um, Baldwin has done well as the only receiver in Seattle for quite a few years now. Uh, but his big year in 2015, he was carried by 14 touchdowns. And most of those came at the very end of the season. Um, in 2016, he had seven touchdowns and 1,100 yards. Uh, in 2017, he had eight touchdowns and not even 1,000 yards. Um, so he's yet to surpass 1,200 yards or 10 touchdowns outside of 2015. Um, and, you know, 82 receptions for just over 1,000 yards and nine and a half touchdown average would have been good for wide receiver eight in 2017. But I think if you look closely, um, last year was a down year for receivers in general. A ton of the main quarterbacks got hurt. A bunch of the receivers kind of had a down tick because of that. So those numbers, I don't think would have got him into, into the wide receiver one, um, high one, uh, wide receiver two uh, discussion in a, in a regular bounce back year there for the receivers. So it's solid, but he's definitely trending down. And I think that the entire Seattle offense takes a step back, which I've mentioned multiple times off of the, uh, on the podcast, I don't need to go into my Russell Wilson thing. Um, but you know, if, if Doug Baldwin gets hurt, I think that entire offense plummets, uh, especially, uh, Russell Wilson. I just don't think he can carry everything by himself. So, um, with trying to keep it uh, keep it somewhat quick at the end of the podcast here, um, what's your what's your rebuttal on Baldwin? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, I'm, I had Baldwin in my top twelve top twelve receivers actually before he got hurt, and it turns out he's it looks like he's on track to play week one. But um, but but yeah, I think he's the thing is with Baldwin, he's he's one of the years one of the league's more underappreciated receivers. Um, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, the only other wideouts in the league, who have ended the past three years in the position's top twelve. Um, but there's a, yet a ton of receivers who are going well ahead of Baldwin in the draft. So no, I don't. I agree with you in, in the concerns about the Seahawks offense. Um, I think it's actually even worse than it because one, I think a minor correction, I think you mentioned Paul Richardson as being potentially somebody oh, who's in Washington. He's in Washington now. So no, it really is Tyler Lockett. My mistake. My mistake. Yeah, you're right. You're right. My mistake there. So it really is Tyler Lockett. Obviously Jimmy Graham gone as well. So, so, you know, there's definitely he's he's going to take a lot of coverage. There's no doubt about it. And I think because of that, I think you're going to see in general, you see with him a lot of sort of game to game variants than a lot of the top guys. I think you're going to have to deal with some duds if you own him. Um, and that's part of why he's I agree that he's not among the sort of the elite at the position potentially. But I think given where he's going in drafts, I actually do like him an awful lot. I don't think he's as far below the top guys, given his, given what he's done the past several years, um, as, as people, uh, are thinking. So I do think he's going to still, uh, even if he draws coverage, he is still going to be the man over there. He's still super talented if he stays healthy. Um, I agree that the, the sort of the 14 touchdowns in 2000, what was it 2015 or 2016, probably an outlier, but even his quit, like semi mediocre last year still made him the, the 11th best wide receiver. And even if that may have been at least partially due to uh, to the fact that the league was down, uh, I still think it's tough to ignore the fact that he's uh, he's got a good thing going with Russell Wilson, and I think um, he should be relatively valuable going forward. So I sure, do sure, and 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 to and to be fair, like I've said, um, I started this year 
uh, just hating on the Seahawks um, in general because I just didn't think, uh, and you know, hating is a strong word, obviously. I, I don't dislike any of these guys. Um, it's just on a, on a fantasy thing. It's like at the beginning of the season, um, the draft season, the early off season where everyone starts getting the podcast rolling and, and get the analysis out. I mean, Doug Baldwin was, was uh, kind of a, a late um, wide receiver one, you know, ahead of like Mike Williams. Um, sure. uh, I'm sorry, Mike Williams, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Stephon yeah. Diggs, Tyreek Hill, you know, T.Y. Hilton, obviously when uh, Andrew Luck was injured and things like that. So he was way up there. And so at the beginning, I'm just like, there's no way. And then Russell Wilson's a top three, you know, quarterback. And I just, I'm not feeling that either. So I've tamed my, my situation a little bit on Seattle in general. Um, and now, I mean, currently, uh, Doug Baldwin's going as the 13th receiver and going in the third round, which if you can steal a Doug Baldwin in the, in the middle of the third round, I say, take him. Um, right. I probably won't personally, but, but that is definitely decent value. And again, if he does what he does, that's a steal. Um, you know, right. I, I'd rather have him over, over, uh, Juju and, and Jarvis Landry, Chris Hogan, you know, Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate kind of guys going in the same area. I'd, I'd rather have Doug Baldwin because we've seen him do it before and consistently. I'm just not, not super feeling it. So I'm going to pass, but I am, I am loosening my, uh, loosening my grip on, on my dislike for, um, for Seattle in general. I just, I really think people need to be cautious. Um, yep drafting these guys where they're being drafted. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Uh, so I will move on and I will do something a tad unorthodox for my, for my wide receiver pump the brakes breaks pick. And I'm going to choose the Rams as my wide receiver pick for pump the brakes. The, the literally, entire squad, huh? Literally the Rams receiving core minus Josh <laughs> Reynolds, hashtag Josh Reynolds for MVP. Yo, shout uh, out to Josh Reynolds. We need to, we need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not on anybody else's podcast, so it might actually work out. That's true. It's gonna get it's gonna garner us some attention. I think we might get him on the show. <laughs> so, uh, and really, I'm t- what I'm talking about when I say the Rams receiving core. I'm talking about Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and uh, Robert Woods. Um, and I think the problem that I have is that all three of those guys are being drafted among the top 31 wide receivers in in fantasy football, and. If you think that that's because Jared Goff is a top top five quarterback, uh, you you should probably reevaluate that position because he's not. Um, everyone's doing that because nobody really has has a take uh, as to who will be the clear cut number one in Los Angeles. Um, and I just, quite frankly, there's just too much uncertainty in that crew for me to really truly value any one of those guys uh, the way they're being valued. The 2017 Rams threw 518 passes, which just for your reference is not that much. I think that's 24th in the league out of 32. So it's not like they're a pass-throwing machine of an offense. Todd Gurley led the team in receptions last year. Dude, ridiculous. Um, it is, right? So, and, and, they, and they obviously have a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball, so you can imagine there's going to be a lot of sort of low-scoring, low-scoring, grind-em-out sort of games. So low-volume passing attack, lack of certainty in the target distribution. So I'm not particularly interested in, in investing in any one of those guys. Um, I think uh, my, if I had to take one of them, maybe it would probably be where he's being picked, probably Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't dislike Brandon Cooks um, as well, but but really I'm, it's kind of an entire situation that I'm I'm just avoiding based on the uncertainty and the fact that I I'm not as all in, I'm not particularly all in on Jared Goff throwing a gazillion passes and and 
you know, feeding all of the hungry mouths over there. So I think it's just a, frust a frustrating situation. Not that I have anything against those players in general, except for Robert Woods, who I already talked about. Um, but uh, but I, I just think this it's just a situation that's shaping up to be one to avoid. So I would be concerned about it in fantasy. Sure. And, and just to uh, not to step on your toes here, but just to update um, kind of your writing as well, which I know is, again, a, you know, to, a little disclaimer to our listeners. Um, a lot of these were kind of pre-written, uh, premeditated here. So they're not necessarily super accurate per se on ADPs and stuff. But just to be accurate um, for sake of this argument, uh, looks like um, Brandon Cooks currently is the 25th um, receiver. Uh, Cooper Cup is the 36th, and Robert oh. Woods is the 41st. So all those guys have have fallen just a little bit, but I think I think that's yeah. just I think that's just because a handful of guys are are getting more healthy. Uh, newer guys are kind of on the block all of a sudden. Quarterbacks are getting healthy, and all of a sudden ADPs are kind of fluctuating. But but to your point, I mean I I, I agree with you. You've made a case you've made a case against. Robert Woods. I've made a case against Brandon Cooks. Um, neither one of us have said anything, uh, you know, really positive or negative about Cooper Cup, but I think we both would, would choose him over the three. Um, and uh, again, I know we're, we're kind of on this, uh, this imaginary Josh Reynolds hype train. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just, it's just, it's less about like, like Josh Reynolds actually doing something. And it's more just kind of like I mentioned in my argument against Brandon Cooks. I just think there's a three, four, five headed monster here, not including Todd Gurley, that is going to eat itself. So for any one of these guys to be like that dude, who's going to be your wide receiver two or three, I think is really risky. And honestly, the reason I make a case for cup is because him and Goff are BFFs and he, you know, has, he has the uh, red zone upside. Um, so as you mentioned, I mean, Goff is just not going to have to throw it deep. And that's, that's uh, Woods's game and that's Cook's game. And obviously there's going to be big plays. There always are. But on a consistent basis, I think Cooper Cup is the guy. And like you said, somehow Todd Gurley led the team in receptions um, right. last year, which uh, may not change a lot, man. I mean, McVay's a beast and he's a wizard, but there's a lot of mouths to feed out there. And I don't, I don't believe in – and uh, Jared Goff either as far as, uh, you know, feeding all of them necessarily as far as a wide receiver two or three. So, again, buyer beware on the Rams in general. I like uh, I like to call and I would recommend if you're going to take a shot on on one of these guys, I would go for Cooper Cup as a as a um, middle round steal in the eighth round. Word. OK, well, let's. um. Let's make it quick here on the tight ends. I mean, I, I, I think you and I both, uh, we discussed before we hopped on the pod today that um, both of us kind of had a tough time finding somebody that we just didn't believe in that was being hyped already. Uh, we had made some mentions of, of guys like Jimmy Graham, uh, Kyle Rudolph, I think, came up. Um, Greg Olson, I've made a case against. You made a case against Jordan Reed. Uh, there's some other guys who I think we're, we're not really super high on as far as the tight end goes, but as far as somebody that's being hyped that we don't believe in. It was kind of tough for us to find, find somebody. So um, I'm going to make a case against OJ Howard and this might come back and haunt me. And frankly, I could totally see it happening. Um, I just, I just see, I don't think OJ Howard's ready to go yet in that offense. I don't think it's him. I think it's the team. I don't think the team is going to turn him loose. And for fantasy purposes, I think that's going to um, really, you know, hurt him. Uh, we've seen that Jameis Winston loves Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait just signed a big deal with them. Um, and a lot of people, I think, expected O.J. Howard to really take off this year because of the way that he ended 
2017 before he was hurt and put on the IR at the end of the season. But Cameron Braid's not going anywhere anytime soon. He just signed a big deal. Jameis loves him. Of course, Jameis is out the first handful of games, so it'll be Fitzpatrick, who does seem to look Howard's way more often and certainly been feeding him a little bit more in the short time they played together in the preseason. Um, but uh, I just – it's kind of a gut call here. I just don't think O.J. Howard's going to be turned loose this year. Um, and, you know, once he's ready to go and he is the guy, he's going to be in the other column immediately for me because he's a beast. Um, but I just don't think it's going to happen this year. And, frankly, he was just extremely efficient last season with 432 yards and six touchdowns on just 30, uh, 39 targets. Um, and I just – that's just not not sustainable. So, um, yeah. He can definitely do it. I think he shows the upside. I think everybody believes in him. A lot of people are picking him as a breakout, which, again, I'm happy to eat my words here. Um, I just uh, have kind of a gut feeling that it's not going to happen this year, and it has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the Bucks and leaning more toward Cameron Brait for at least another season. Yep. Yeah, no, I think, I think uh, you know, I'm entirely on board with that. And just, just in general, given all the guys that you mentioned, I, I would actually throw Jack Doyle into that just because I think uh, Eric Ebron might have something of a, a bigger role over there and might take catches away from him. I think the fact that we could sort of have a lot of concerns with pretty much all of these tight ends outside of the top guys um, lets you know that there is some utility in, in reaching for, for an Ertz or a Kelsey or some of these guys. Um, uh, I've, I've traditionally been a, a wait for tight end sort of guy and it's, it's worked for me at times in the past, but um but this is one of those cases where, where you know, it might not be the end, the the, the worst strategy to to think about taking a tight end early. Right. Um, so I'm going to take uh, from, and I've talked. I'm going to keep it brief because I talked about this guy already, and I think uh, one of my crazy calls or, or bold predictions, I can't remember. Um, but I'm going to take Evan Engram, uh, who who I love as a talent. He's a, he's a, for sure a stand standout talent, and could very certainly still finish the season as a top ten fantasy tight end. I just think right now he's being considerably overdrafted. Um, I think he had too many chips fall in his favor last season. Obviously Odell Beckham missing most of the season. Brandon Marshall that went down. Uh, Sterling Shepard was sort of in and out. They had, of course, absolutely no run game. Uh, so Engram was, was pretty much the only game in town uh, last year. Um, but even then he struggled with efficiency. He had a 50, only a 56% catch, catch rate. That's an obvious red flag. And as he's going to lose targets with a healthy Beckham, uh, probably an improving Sterling Shepard and probably one of the most hyped running backs, I think in recent memory, um, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, he's definitely somebody that, that while I appreciate his talent and I, and I like him as a player, I just think he's, he's going way too high. Um, based on uh, a season last year that I think had a lot to do with luck and an opportunity that I don't expect to be there. I'd like to think that uh, that Eli Manning could could sort of feed all of these guys and have and they all have dominant seasons, but I just can't imagine that that reason being all that likely to happen. Uh, so uh, so for for that, I'm taking Engram as my as my uh, uh, pump the brakes. I like the, I like the call. I I uh, actually I can kind of make kind of make a case for Ingram. Um, I mean, he broke out last year, of course, uh, but I think that was, I think that was kind of artificial. So I, I agree with you. I, I don't um, dislike him as much, I think, as you do, but um, I'm, I'm with you. And, and looking at his current ADP, uh, he's uh, currently going as a seventh tight end off the board. And again, uh, a reminder to listeners, we're always looking at full PPR. So this is full PPR ADP. Um, but he's looking at the seventh uh, tight end off the board and he's going basically right after Trey Burton. Um, and, uh, just, 
you know, maybe two rounds before like a guy like David Njoku uh, or, or for me, I would take a stab on Jordan Reed. I know you're not feeling it, but um, those are things where like, I would, I would make a, a move on Trey Burton uh, or maybe you would take a stab on uh, Delaney Walker uh, a, la- a round later. So um, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and again, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, Odell just got paid. He's going to be happy. Um, I love Sterling Shepard this year. Um mm-hmm. And of course, Saquon Barkley is is going to eat as well. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he's not trash. He, he's he's pretty solid, but he doesn't have the best hands. Um, you know, he had a really high kind of a drop rate. He just got so many targets that he made up for it at the end. But that's just not going to happen this year. So I like to call on Evan Ingram, and um, you know, we'll 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 see what happens because he does have the uh, the potential uh, and the athleticism. But um, we'll see mm-hmm. if if Eli can Eli can keep it up there. To you, to just saw a news bit earlier today. Jordan Reed expected to be ready for Week One, so maybe this is the year that Reed finally pulls it all together and can actually be on the field. So. I am ready, bro. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm 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 fueling up with lots of coal. The uh, the Jordan Reed train. So it'll be it'll be taking <laughs> off. It'll be taking off Week One, and hopefully we don't have to make any pit stops uh, until at least Week Four. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see what happens there. And uh, just a really quick. Uh, um, Really quick note, uh, your bold prediction was that George Kittle outscores Evan yes. Ingram. Right. right. So <laughs> so assuming George Kittle can be healthy, which I think he will be, um, I, I think, you know, us Niner fans got a, got a scare uh, in the preseason, but I think he will turn it around. And um, once he does, I think he will uh, – I, I agree with you, actually, that he will um, outscore eventually um, Evan Ingram with, uh, with Jimmy G there in, in San Francisco. So just wanted to mention that. And I think you can make the same case about David Njoku as well, actually. So I, mean, I can take either of those guys. There you go. Well, before we take off out of the podcast, I want to give the listeners another reminder to check into our Instagram at the Candlestick Kids, and you can follow along with the listener league rules um, and kind of our our uh, quick, you know, easygoing regulations. But we would like to keep this somewhat uh, formal. Um, so if you could please send us an email to the candlestick kids fantasy pod at gmail.com with the submission code the stick and let us know one thing you like about the podcast one thing we can work on for the podcast so we can keep it better for you folks that would be much appreciated submissions are up and adam they are ready to go so please submit those asap we're only taking 10 entries it is a 20 dollar buy-in once again it is a 12 team full ppr and submissions will close next Tuesday. The draft is next Wednesday night, September 5th at 9 p.m. If you cannot make the draft, please do not apply. Otherwise, we would love to have your submissions. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. Make sure you email your questions to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids with the hashtag TCKPod. And remember, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Don't screw up. For Daniel Stancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.